0: tonight so come on let's give it up for our children want to make some noise for our kids well you know we have been talking a lot about, you've been seeing a lot of it on Facebook and all of our social media, this series that we launched last weekend. We're excited about this series. If you were here last weekend or at at the Williamsburg campus on Sunday morning, that we trust that there was something about that message at the launch of the series that just did something impactful in your life. And so when we've been at the WAVE conference this week down in Virginia Beach, uh, Wednesday night, and then all day Thursday and and Friday and, and through Friday night. And so, so at that conference, God was just speaking a lot of things to my heart about a message to share. And so that usually happens for me when I'm in those conference settings, but usually they're a message for the future. And so uh, just as that week went on, those few days went on, I just had a growing sense that it it wasn't for a a future uh, time together. It was going to be for this weekend. It was going to be for our church. So we're going to push the pause button on the Mayhem series, we're still putting everything up because uh, we want to entice you to keep tracking with us. And so we're going to have all of these things in place even tomorrow morning in Williamsburg. But but I just I want to share some of the things that I felt like God spoke to my heart. Really starting, it was on Thursday night, and then really through most of Friday as the speakers were, were sharing. And I'm taking notes. I just had this side conversation going on with God the whole time. And it really came to its conclusion last night when Tommy Barnett was doing the was doing the closing uh, for that night. So one of the things, we're going to do a couple of things. One is that, you know, we talk about the Matthew five forty eight here at the City Life Church a lot, be ye therefore perfect. It's one of the most daunting commands that Jesus gives. It's one of his six foundational commands that we teach here at the City Life Church. We believe that all of the teachings of Christ kind of flow up into six great commands, and one of them is this idea of be ye therefore perfect. And so we've kind of coined a phrase here at City Life of what's your M548 priority? What's your, what's your M548? What's, your, what, what's the thing that you're working on, right? We're, we're not ever going to get perfect, but but we should be always striving to become more like Christ throughout our life. And so we can't do everything at one time, but we can pick one or two things that we're working on. You're, you're, you're with me? So so we say that, hey, what's your, what's your M548? And so one of the things I felt like God spoke to me uh, at the conference was that you should be talking about your M548. It's not just the principle of M548, but some personal to you, things that you're working on as a person, as a leader, as a, as a pastor. And so I want to share one of those tonight. One of the things that, that I'm working on is that I want to continue to grow in my sense of liberty in this moment right here. I, I want to continue to grow as a pastor, as a, as a, a teacher of God's word, and, and just my sense of freedom in, in these moments. And so, so it was great because so, so last week uh, David Godwin uh, was, was putting out a, a, a tweet at the end of the, the, the service. He said, last year Pastor Fred came back from vacation real funny right? And then last weekend, so he put that and then he said this year he came back real real. So if you were here last weekend, you know what that's talking about, right? We had a very frank conversation with each other about a lot of things, and so I was kind of thinking about that this 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 week when I was thinking about my M548, and I felt like God spoke to me that really it, it, it it's not two different things; it's the same thing expressing itself in different ways. It's about liberty. It's about freedom. It's about having the sense of freedom to find the moment of levity in the service. It's the finding the sense of liberty to be self-deprecating. It's 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 finding the liberty to be a little bit goofy and silly if that's what you know. If because sometimes people need that to let their guard down. You with me? So it's just following the prompting of the Holy Spirit in in the moment. And like last weekend, sometimes it's finding the liberty to be direct. Sometimes it's finding the sense of freedom to just say what needs to be said, not necessarily knowing someone needs to hear it, but knowing that the Holy Spirit knows your heart and what you need to hear. And so if he speaks something to us, it's just finding the sense of freedom. And and so that's a big one for me, because if you know anything about my personality, I'm a planner, you know, I like to plan ahead, right? I like to have everything put together and all neat and tidy and orderly, and, and so if I walk into my, even my office, it's a little bit cluttered. I cannot work until everything's like in its, in its place. So this idea of just kind of being in the flow, that, that's not, that does not come natural to me. And so when I first came here in 2007, you know, I found myself sometimes focusing too much on what other people needed. And if you focus too much on what other people need from you, then you find yourself ministering in a way that you're always doing what other people expect from you. And if you always do what other people expect from you, you end up at some point stop being who God created you to be. And the tragedy of that is who God created you to be is the very thing that people need. You with me? And so I want to be a pastor and a leader that says, this is is who God's created me to be. And I know one of the things that he's created me to be is to have liberty and prophetic moments like this, even though it's not my natural personality. You tracking with me? There's things that God created you to be that come natural to you, and then there's things that he created you to be that do not come natural to you that he wants to impart to you. You find that in the story of Moses when he's at the burning bush. There were things that God had prepared him to be a great leader of nations, that he was under a king, and so he knew about military. He he knew about so many things that he learned in the court of Pharaoh, but then there was this other part of him where he felt like, God, this this doesn't come natural to me. That's the part that God says, I'm going to put that in you through other people that I'm going to raise up around you. I'm going to help you grow in that area. And so I'm just sharing. That's one of my M548s. I want to be a person that just is able to have a sense of freedom and liberty in moments like this. And so part of that is then this week, and right, God's saying, because I've been trying to preach this one sermon for two weeks now that I can't quite seem to get to, Right, I wanted to preach it last week, and God switched it up on me, and so I was all excited to preach it this week. And so not, not only am I, I'm not like last week at least we got to preach a sermon that was part of the series. This week God's just putting a, a pause button on the whole series itself, and we're doing something completely out of the series. And so I don't know how long it's gonna take. We, we, we could get out early, we could get out late, but I'm just telling you, I'm moving in Liberty tonight. Okay, all right, being free. So it was about a month ago that, uh, that Stephanie Hokan and Nick, our service coordinator, his wife came up, if you were here about a month ago, and had a uh, just something that she felt like God spoke to her in the middle of the worship set. That's one of the reasons why we keep that microphone there. And uh, so she came up and, and uh, said, I felt like God spoke something to me. If you were here, you know, it was a powerful moment in our service. And she started to recount the story of Elijah when he was on Mount Carmel. And uh, he has the, the great standoff of all the prophets of Baal. And he wins and fire comes down from heaven. And there had been a drop for three years and it wasn't gonna rain until Elijah said spoke a word that rain was going to come, and so he felt like the time was right, and so he prays, and rain is supposed to come, but it doesn't come, and so he keeps sending his servant out, right? Check. Check. I want you to see, is there any sign of rain? And finally the servant comes back and said, I see a cloud the size of a man's hand. There was the some indication that, that that which they had been waiting for was coming. And so she had this great word about people being here and being in a place of waiting and being in a place of longing and almost being in a place of, God, are you ever going to do what you said you were going to do? And there was a great, if you were here, anybody here but I want to know, it was just, it was a, right? It built, it just stirred faith in our hearts and we responded and some of us raised our hands and it just, it rejuvenated our faith that we're just going to keep looking with expectancy for God to do what he's going to do. And so I, I want to pick up on that word that she spoke and I want to I want to talk about three reasons why we get stuck in a place of waiting we're going to talk about three specific things and and it might be that tonight you're in a place where you're waiting for God to do something you're waiting for God to answer a prayer and and you're and you feel like you're stuck is God ever going to do what he says he's going to do and so at the end of each of these I'm going to invite you to stand if it resonates with you and we want to pray over you and then we'll move on to the next one you with me all right, here we go. So if you've got your Bible, you can turn to Luke 18. Luke 18, verses 1 through 17. It says, One day Jesus told his disciples a story to show that they should always pray and never give up. Now there was a judge in a certain city. This is a parable. And he, he, he neither feared God nor cared about people. And a widow that came to him repeatedly saying, Give me justice in my dispute with my enemy. Now this story is not just about people dealing with enemies. and It's a story about people who have a sense of healthy entitlement. Right, there's good entitlements and there's bad entitlements. Right, there's bad entitlements that that people might have if they're just lazy and they just want people to do for them. Right, that's not going to be our kids. We talked a little bit about that last weekend. So, right, but there's also healthy entitlements. Right, if you're married, you have a sense of entitlement for fidelity in your marriage. Right, a part of your family, you have a sense of entitlement for loyalty and family relationships. There's lots of entitlements that are good. If you call a church your home, you have a sense of entitlement that it's going to be a healthy place for you. You with me? There's good entitlements. And so this woman, she has a sense of healthy entitlement. That there's there's an injustice has been done, and she has a sense of entitlement that justice is going to be brought to her by the judge. But it says the judge ignored her for a while. But finally, he said to himself, "I do not fear God or care about people, but this woman is driving me crazy. I'm going to see that she gets justice because she was wearing me out with her constant." requests. In, in the King James, it uses the word importunate. It's T-U, but it's a C-H-A sound. It's I-M-P-O-R-T-U-N-A-T-E, importunate. And, and that means to be so persistent that you get to the place of the aggravating people. Now, of course, we've never done that, right? You don't know anybody like that. Right? It, it, you know, the, the best example is, is if you're in a conversation with an adult and, and your kid comes up and starts doing the tap, right? on the leg, over and over, and then they start whispering your name over and over and over, and the parenting curriculum we have, Growing Kids God's Way, has a a great solution for that, and we teach our kids, if you've ever been in a conversation with us, and you see one of our kids come up, and they just put their hand on our shoulder or on our leg, and that's all that they do, and that's their signal to us that I have something I need to say, and then they wait patiently for there to be a natural break in the conversation. You with me? And so, as opposed to this, daddy, 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 right? Daddy. And so so here in this story, you get this picture that this widow, she's just knocking on the door of the judge over and over, just just aggravating him to no end. And that's what eventually wears him down so that he will do what she needs him to do. Now, Now listen to what God says. Learn a lesson from this unjust judge. Even he rendered a just decision in the end. So don't you think God will surely give justice to his chosen people who cry out to him day and night? He's saying, hey, if if an unjust judge will do that, how about God who's the perfect father? How much more will he do for you when you have an audience with someone who loves you beyond measure? I tell you, now, now you think that the parable, I think the parable is going to turn here and it's going to say, you don't have to do this with God. You don't have to wear him out. Because he already knows the needs that you have, and he's just going to do them for you. But that's not what it says. He says, I tell you, he will grant justice to them quickly. But when the Son of Man returns, how many will he find on earth who have faith. Now this phrase, how many will he find on earth who have faith, is a direct point back to the theme of the parable, because this idea of having faith sometimes means that you don't take no for an answer, even in your conversation with God, and that God is saying to you, and he's saying to me, sometimes it's our responsibility to wear him out, not because he's distracted, not because he doesn't know, but because it does something in us, because it stirs something in our hearts when we stand in this place of persistent faith, and so Jesus opens the parable. That's how we know that That's how it's supposed to conclude because Jesus opens the parable, right? How did he open it? I wish that people would know how to pray and not give up. So you might be here tonight and you're in a place where you feel like, is God going to ever answer my prayer? Is he ever going to do what I'm asking him to do? That you have a healthy sense of entitlement about something. And I feel like for some of you here tonight, God is saying to you, hey, don't give up too soon, right? You might be on the verge of your biggest breakthrough, don't turn and walk away. We've all been in situations and circumstances where we've turned and walked away, right? Where you've been waiting to to get into somewhere to eat, and you've waited, and it's been 30 minutes. It's been an hour. It's been an hour and a half, right? At some point, you just turn. You say, I can go to the restaurant down the street. You pull into the line at the drive-thru at the bank, and you wait, and you wait. And at some point, you just run out of time because you've got to be at work. So you turn away. You just go about your day. Sometimes we find ourselves waiting in line for an answer to prayer, and God says, hey, do not walk away. There's a lesson to be learned from the importunate widow that we've got to be willing at times to wear God out. We've talked a lot about our story and our journey, about how we moved here. We bought a a townhouse in 2007, and then in the fall of 2009, we realized that it had been built with toxic Chinese drywall, and so we had to move out of there. Great injustice was done to us, and we lost everything financially. We've been on the verge of bankruptcy for many years now. I'm telling you, we have been wearing God out with our prayer for justice. You with me? You tracking? There's, there's things that happen to you. There's things that happen to us where in our innocence we suffer through the, the misdealings of others, the misgiving. There's, there's a healthy sense of entitlement we have for those things to be righted. I remember we were trying to short sell our house a year ago. The bank said it's impossible. It will never happen. And we began to pray as a church. You begin to join us in praying, and the leadership team was praying with us. And it was just probably in a matter of a couple of months that, that all of a sudden everything turned and that thing short-sold and we actually ended up they gave us money at the close that paid our faith promise here at the church that year right you with me but we could have given up there was times where we wanted to give up there was times where we just wanted to throw our hands up there were times where we just said this enough is enough but there were moments where God just came and spoke to our heart do not stop wearing me out for this request In 2008, we were in the movie theater as a church, as a congregation, and we had grown out of that theater, and the kids were packed in, right? They almost had to get on each other's shoulders just to fit them into the room, and we couldn't do the things that we wanted to do. Things about ministering to people at the altar and doing cover dishes afterwards. We couldn't do any of that stuff, and so God gave us this. If you were with us, you remember that year, we entitled it the Year of His Yes, and so we taught a whole series on this parable, and we felt like God said to us, I want you to wear me out praying for a place to go to. And so, and, and, and we got all the way into the fall, and we're thinking, God, are you ever going to do what you ask, what we're asking you to do? And we held our first service here in December of 2008. It seemed like right at the end. But if you remember that Saturday night, how faith filled we were, it took a year to stand in a place of praying. We, we I think we aggravated God a little bit, and it was a good thing, you with me? So I, this is what we're gonna do, Emily's gonna come back up and get on the keys for me, and, uh, and then I'm gonna do the other two, but I wanna I want pray for you tonight, if, if you're in a place where you feel like you've been waiting for a long time, if you're in a place tonight and, and you're on the verge of giving up. It might be that you've been praying for decades. It could be for a spouse, it could be for a situation that's, that's, that's deeply personal to you. I don't know what it is, but I, I know that there's gonna be some people here tonight, you're just, you feel like you're at your end, and I feel like God wants to, to, to buoy your sense of faith, that he wants to restore your sense of, I'm not going to stop asking. But there's two other moments. Now, you might stand for all three. Does that make sense? You might stand for all three of these tonight, and when we get to the last one, you might realize that you've stood for the wrong one, but that's okay. Does that make sense? I'm just I'm just setting you up for that. I'm just setting you up for that. That for some of you tonight, that that you're stuck in your place of waiting. You're stuck in your place of waiting because you've given up on asking. But for some of you here tonight, you're stuck in your place of waiting because you're stuck in the wrong story. And that's gonna make sense to you when we get to the end. But if if tonight, Something of what I'm saying is resonating with you right now. Where you're saying, you know what? I think, I, I don't know if I have the faith to continue on in what I'm asking for. I'm just going to ask you to stand up right where you are. I'm not going to ask you to do anything else. I'm just going to invite you to stand. And I want to pray for you tonight. Come on. And we're just believing, God, that there's going to be something is going to stir inside of you. That there's, there's going to be a sense inside of you that, that faith is going to be restored. And faith is going to be renewed in your heart. So, Father we lift up every person that's standing here in this auditorium right now God and we say let it be that even now that you would deposit a gift of faith inside of them that it would be as though it's only the very first day of their waiting that it would be emotionally for them even if they've been waiting for years emotionally it would be that they've only been waiting for a matter of moments that that your word in Isaiah is going to come true for them that they're going to mount up with wings of eagles that they're going to run And not grow weary, that they're gonna walk and not faint, that there's gonna be a a strengthening, there's gonna be a revitalizing, that there's gonna be a refreshing of faith that you're gonna do and give to them supernaturally tonight, God, that as they stand here, that you're just gonna fill them up, that you're gonna breathe on them, that you're gonna give them a word of encouragement, that you're gonna give them a verse, or somebody you're gonna tell somebody else something that then they're gonna say to them, that's just gonna keep their faith that they're going to be willing to be the person that wears you out. That they're going to be willing to be the person that says, "I, I want to annoy God with this request. That Jesus, when you do come back, if it's in our lifetime, that every person that's standing here tonight is going to be a fulfillment of this parable. That every person that's standing here tonight, that when you do come back, that they're going to be found to be a person of faith. That when you do come back, that one of the things that you're going to say to them when they see you face to face is that you're going to say to them, thank you for being a person who knew how to pray and not give up. Because God, one of the things that we know is this place of standing in a place of healthy entitlement with you sometimes has nothing to do with us. It's about a story that we're supposed to tell to someone else who needs to be encouraged. It might be God, that you're not ever going to answer this prayer that they have. But part of the need that you've created in them is so that they can turn to someone else who's failing in their faith. Take them by the hand and say, I'm going to stand with you. Sometimes, God you create a need in us that is so great and so deep, it's because you're trying to teach us how to be a person of faith so that we can stand with others and we can look them in the eye and say, with great honesty, I know exactly how you feel. Sometimes in life, sometimes God, the greatest story to be a part of is not you answering our prayer, but us being able to stand with someone else in a place of faith to see their prayer answered. May it be for every person that stands here tonight that there is a great gift of faith that's being deposited in them, whether it be for themselves or for someone else. In Jesus' name. Come on, and everybody said together. Amen. All right. You want to do two more? All right, 2 Kings. 2 Kings. Chapter 20. Oh, I like this story. 2 Kings 20. I'm going to start reading in verse one. It says, About that time, Hezekiah became deathly ill, and the prophet Isaiah, son of Amos, went to visit him, and he gave the king this message. This is what the Lord says Set your affairs in order, for you are going to die. Right? It's not really the word we're looking for from God. You will not recover from this illness, right? Now, when Hezekiah heard this, he turned his face to the wall and prayed to the Lord, right? Because you got to love this part of him. Even though it's been prophesied over him, he's going to die, he's not going to be healed, he doesn't give up. There's a little bit of Luke 18 stirring in this king, is it not? And he begins to have this conversation with God. Remember, O Lord, I've always been faithful to you and have served you single-mindedly, always doing what pleases you. Then he broke down and he wept bitterly. But before Isaiah had left the middle courtyard, this message came to him from the Lord Go back to Hezekiah, the leader of my people, and tell him that this is what the Lord, the God of your ancestor David, says I have heard your prayer, and I have seen your tears, and I will heal you. And in three days from now, you will get out of bed and go to the temple of the Lord, right? Sometimes we need to wear God out with the prayer that we pray even though the circumstances we face, even though it might be the message we've received from Him, is not what we've wanted to hear. In three days, come on, a little bit of prophetic foretelling of Jesus, you think? He says, I will add 15 years to your life, right? now, So this is just who God, He starts giving Him more than He asked for. I had 15 years to your life, and I will rescue you in this city from the king of Assyria, and I will defend this city from, for, for my own honor and for the sake of my servant David. And then Isaiah said, Make an ointment from figs. So Hezekiah's servant spread the ointment over the boil, and Hezekiah recovered. Now meanwhile, Hezekiah had said to Isaiah, What sign will the Lord give to prove that he will heal me? and then I will go to the temple of the Lord three days from now. Isaiah replied, this is the sign from the Lord to prove that he will do as he promised. Would you like, right? Don't you love it when God gives you some choices? He says, what would you like? Would you like the shadow on the sundial to go forward 10 steps, or would you like it to go backwards 10 steps? And he says, the shadow always moves forward, Hezekiah replied. That would be easy. How about making it go backwards 10 steps, right? You're talking about the laws of the universe moving in reverse so Isaiah the prophet asked the Lord to do this listen what it says and he caused the shadow to move ten steps backwards on the sundial it's a powerful story isn't it that God would love you enough to change the order of the universe to give you a sign to encourage your faith, to, to give you a sense of confidence that what God's speaking to you is going to come to fulfillment. So, so for some of you, you're, you're stuck in your, in your place of waiting because you've stopped asking. So we've talked about that in Luke 18. But for some of you, you're stuck in your place of waiting for two reasons. One, you're afraid to ask God for a sign, or he's already given you a sign and you're afraid to act on it. You tracking with me? that you're stuck in your place of waiting, this thing that you're asking God for, you're stuck where you are because you're afraid to ask God for a sign he's given you a sign, and you're afraid to act on it. So we think about the story of Gideon, right? That's one of the most famous stories in the Bible of somebody asking for a sign, and so he puts out the fleece, and he says, God, if you're really raising me up to deliver, to become a judge in Israel, then when the fleece is, when I go get it in the morning, that that it's going to be wet, and all the ground's going to be dry, and God does that, and then he reverses it, because he's still not convinced, okay, I'm going to put the fleece out, and this time I want the fleece to be dry, and I want the ground to be wet. He's in this place of talking, I need to know God. I need to know for sure. I need to know with certainty that this is you speaking to me. God's not afraid to give us signs when we're standing in a place and we need to be affirmed in what he's saying to us. He likes to do it. You see that pattern all throughout the Bible. That's the famous part of Gideon's sign, but the greater sign comes in the early part of the text is when Gideon first had an encounter with the angel. He says, I need to know that you're really an angel. I'm going to go back and get an offering and and I'm going to come back and if you're still here, then Then I'll know. So he goes, he prepares a a meal, and he brings it back, and the angel is still waiting there. And and so this is the part of the story which I think is the greater sign that often gets forgotten. He puts the the meal that he's prepared on a rock, and he steps back, and the angel takes his staff, and he just touches the rock. And as soon as his staff touches the rock, a flame comes up out of the rock and engulfs the offering that he had brought. What's fascinating about this story is that happened to Gideon before he asked for the confirmation through the fleece, right? Sometimes I read that story and I'm thinking to myself, okay, if I see a rock spontaneously combust with a flame to consume the offering that I've brought, I'm good, right? I'm good. I'm not going for the fleece and the dew and the dry and the wet. I, got a, I saw a rock. It lit itself. And then the angel that was standing there disappeared, right? I, I, th- I think I just might be good for the rest of my life, for all the things. We say that, but we're not because of our humanity and God knows. the. We, I love the story of Gideon because it gives you permission to doubt. It gives you permission to say, God, I'm not sure that sign is enough for me. I need more. It's okay. God says, hey, I'm willing to give you signs if that's what you need. Whether it's seeing fire come out of a rock or fleece that's wet and then it's dry and the ground is dry and then it's wet. Because eventually what you see, if you've never read this in Judges, you should go there. I think it's in Judges 6. Is that he eventually, eventually Gideon rises up and begins to act out in faith to do the things that God's called him to do. When you read the things that God has called him to do, they're pretty big, and you can appreciate why he was looking for a sign. It might be that one of the things that you're praying for, you're just not sure. I'm, just, I'm here to tell you it's okay to ask God for a sign. We were making the decision to move here in 2007. It was a big decision for us. I had been at that church for for some some 17 years on staff for for eight. My whole life, my whole Christian life was tied up in that church. And Vanessa and I got married there and I baptized Derek. I was on staff there and and I crossed over into ministry for the first time. I made a decision for Christ at that church, experienced the baptism of the Holy Spirit in that church. All my firsts in Christianity were experienced in that church. It's a big deal to move when God calls you away from a place that's familiar. It took us about a year, even after God spoke to us, to begin to take those steps. But I remember we were in a place. We said, God, we need a sign. We, we need some signs from you that this is what you're, you're asking of us. And there were a couple of specific things that God did for us that gave us a sense of, yes, this is the decision that we're supposed to make. I remember a few years ago when we wanted to hire a student ministries pastor. It was our very first hire. And we knew that it was it was Justin. We weren't sure whether he knew that it was him, but we knew it was him. And, and I and I had talked to the governance team and I was thinking back to a conversation that I had with him probably in about 2008 and we saw the call of God on his life and and I remember having a conversation with him and saying, you know, do you ever see yourself in vocational ministry? Because you don't want to give people their calling. You with me? God needs to give them their, their calling because if, if you give it to them when things get tough and they will get tough, then right, then, then you're going to pull back because, because you're not sure you heard from God if you just heard from a person. We had that conversation with, with Pastor Jamie. We said, Jamie, we, we think that you're supposed but you need to hear from God because when it gets hard and it will get tough, you need to be able to point. I call it your burning bush moment, right? Like when Moses, you need to know that you heard from God. So we wanted him to hear from God. And, and, and so when I had that conversation with him, you know, he said, nah, I don't really ever see myself doing, you know, vocational ministry. I like serving and being part of the church, but I don't really ever see myself being a pastor. And it's not my job to talk him out of that, right? So, so, so we, it was about two years later, and, and the church was growing, and Student Ministries was, was flourishing under Nate and Laura. And, and, uh, and we knew we had to hire a Student ministry, and We knew that it was supposed to, to be him. And so we're just praying as a governance team. We said, God, we need a sign from you that it's okay to pursue him. We, we need a sign from you, right? And so Vanessa and I were doing their premarital counseling with he and, and, and Stephanie. And, and we sat down for our very first meeting. And you and, and said, hey, before we get started, can I, can I just say something? He said, no, we have a very strict agenda here. I'm a type A personality. You know? Liberty, Pastor Fred, liberty. And so we said, absolutely. And he said, this is what he said. Unprompted. We've not said anything to him. It's that part of the leadership structure? He has no idea. He says, remember that conversation we had a couple of years ago? I just feel like you're supposed to know that, that if you were to ask me that question again, I'd give you a different answer. God likes to give signs. I'm trying to have my best poker face, right? Because I bet we'd have burst at the seams right there. And so as soon as they left, man, we were calling the governor the state. you're not going to believe what happened tonight, right? So they got married and, and 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 a year went by and, and uh, because that's important for us having your first year. And, and so it was it was towards the end of that year, we opened up a conversation with him about him coming on staff. And aren't you glad that God spoke to him to be the first student ministries pastor of this church? Amazing couple. You might be in a, a place where you're where you're waiting and you're afraid to ask God for a sign. Don't be. Because he loves to give them. And it could just be that he's waiting for you to ask. But if he's been giving you signs like he did Gideon, like he did us, you've got to be willing to take a step. One of the most famous stories of a moment like that is when Peter's he's in the in the boat right he thinks that they're all going to die and they're crying and the storm has come up it's dark and, and 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 there's a what looks like a ghost on the water and it's Jesus walking towards them on the water in the middle of the storm and 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 Peter just doesn't run out to him he asks for a sign right he says if it's you lord bid me to come to be where you are it's a sign he wants a sign he wants a sign So if you're in a place where you've been waiting for God, maybe you feel stuck, and you're a person where you've had, I know somebody's here tonight, and you've felt, I'm afraid to ask God for a sign because I feel like it's doubting. I want you to hear from me tonight that God is saying to you, doubt's okay. He knows what to do with your doubt, and what He does with your doubt is He gives you a sign that helps to chase that doubt away so that faith can come alive This is going to be a two-pronged part. You might be here tonight, and God's been giving you all kinds of signs. You're doing this, right, or this. Maybe it's a little of all of it. He's giving you every sign that you need, and you just got to take the step. I know it's not easy. I know it's not easy. But if God's calling you to do something or to a place, then you can trust Him. So I'm just saying, if that's you, I'm going to invite you to stand. If any of the things that we've just talked about resonates with your heart, I'm just going to invite you to stand. Don't wait for somebody else to do it. You just stand. If, you've ever, if you're afraid to ask God for a sign for something you're asking, you know he's been giving you the sign and you're afraid to, to act on it. I'm just going to invite you to stand. We just want to pray for you. Father, we pray for every person that's standing up tonight here in this auditorium, God, that, 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 that you are going to give them a sense of permission tonight to ask you for a sign. That, that there's going to be a sense of permission that's going to well up inside of their heart that you're going to do something that's unexplainable that you're going to do something that's 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 unexpected that you're going to do something god that only the sovereign god of the universe to do could do to confirm for them the step that they're supposed to take father we pray that stories of signs and a place of waiting would just explode here at the City Life Church. Of your goodness and of your faithfulness, that you are a father that loves to face doubt with a sign that causes faith to come alive in the hearts of your children. For every person that's standing here tonight, God, who's they've been given every sign that they could ever hope for, For every person that's standing here tonight who have been given every sign that they could ever possibly expect to have, that they're going to take some steps. That we just speak to the fear that's holding them back. And in Jesus' name, we say let faith come alive in your heart. We, we, we just speak to the uncertainty that's, that, that, that's grown in them because of poor counsel from others. And, and we just, in Jesus' name, we just say let that poor counsel be silenced. and Let the wisdom of your word and the voice of the Holy Spirit be the loudest, most dominant influencer of their will. For every person that's standing here in this auditorium tonight, oh God, that, that they know that there's something that they're supposed to do and they've just been afraid to do it and you've confirmed it again and again and again, that people are going to take action, that they're going to make decisions, that they're going to move forward. They're not going to stay stuck in this place of waiting. In Jesus' name, come on and everybody said together. Amen. Preaching always better when there's, there's music behind it, isn't it? you say no to that, then you keep that thought to yourself. All right, Genesis, Genesis 32. This is our last one. I know we're off the clock a little bit tonight, but that's okay. Feeling liberty tonight. I hope you are. The first two were a little bit easier to respond to. This last one, not so much. For some of you, you're, you're stuck in your place of waiting because you're stuck in the wrong story. Being stuck in the wrong story is that you've latched on to one story in the Bible, but that's not the story that you're supposed to be latched on to. Now, this is what I mean. For some of you, you're stuck in a place of waiting for God to move, for the favor from Him, that for the for, for Him to open up His hand towards you be, because you believe that, that you need to continue to be the importunate the widow, the, the, the persevering prayer. But, but God is saying to you tonight, you can ask me for another thousand years, but I'm not going to do what you ask because you're stuck in the wrong story. This is not the story for your circumstance. It might be that you're a person that's asking and waiting for a sign, asking and waiting for a sign, asking and the sign never comes and you're stuck in your place of waiting because you've latched onto the story of Gideon, you've latched onto the story of Hezekiah and God's saying to you, that's not your story, that's not the story of your circumstance. There's another story that we find in scripture, it's in Genesis 32, I'm going to start reading in in verse 22 it says during the night Jacob got up and took his two wives and his two servant wives and his 11 sons and crossed the Jabbok river with them and after taking them to the other side he sent over all of his possessions. Now you might know the story that Jacob is about to be reunited with Esau. His brother who's very angry at him wants to kill him and Jacob's been gone for a long time. He's he's stolen his brother's birthright. He's stolen his brother's blessing and he's he's, he's stolen things from his father-in-law. He's just been a person of upheaval. We're going to talk about that in a minute. And He's trying to make his way back home and he's not sure whether Esau's coming out to to welcome him or coming out to slay him. So he's taken all of his family and he's, there's a river. He's put them on the other side of the river, all of his possessions. He's put them on the other side of the river. He's on this side of the river. He's in a camp all by himself. And how many of you believe he's probably praying for a sign? So Jacob was alone in the camp. Then a man came up and invited him to wrestle. If that strikes you as odd, that strikes me as a little bit odd. Hey, you want to wrestle? It's not quite the, the sign that maybe you're looking for in your journey the strange man walks up to you and invites you to a wrestling match. That could be Nate Watney because he likes to wrestle, but. Listen to what it says. Now you're going to know from the end of the story that this man, we believe, is, a, is an appearance of Christ. It's a it's a, it's a, a, theoph- a theophany. It's an it's appearance of Jesus in the Old Testament. Listen to what it says. So when the man saw the He could not win. This is Jesus, right? This is the great, Genesis 32 is the great merging of Luke 18 and the text that we just read in 2 Kings chapter 20 of a person who will not give up and a person who's demanding a sign. This is both of these things coming together in one text. This is when the man saw that he could not win the match, he touched Jacob's hip and wrenched it out of its socket. Then the man said, let me go. For the dawn is breaking. Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. This is an important part of the story that's often overlooked. What is your name? The man asked. And he replied to Jacob. He says, your your name will no longer be Jacob, the man told him. From now on you will be called Israel because you have fought with God and with men and have won. Now, the story of the name Israel is famous in the text, but him asking him about his name, Jacob, it wasn't just to set up the changing of the name. There's something rich in here for us talking about who he used to be called. He says, why don't... And then he says, please tell me your name, Jacob said. Why do you want to know my name, the man replied. Then he blessed Jacob there. We don't know exactly what went into that, but we know that that was the moment where what he was asking for from God, it finally came to him. Jacob named that place Peniel, which means the face of God, for he said, I have seen God face to face. That's why we believe this to have been Christ. I've seen God face to face, yet my life has been spared. The sun was rising, and as Jacob left Peniel, he was limping because of the injury to his hip. Even today, the people of Israel do not eat the tendon near the hip socket because of what happened that night when the man strained the tendon of Jacob's hip. So when God was speaking to my heart about this story over the last couple of days, and I was I was reading it. I, I really felt like God was say, "Hey, there's something there in the story in, in, in the story about the name Jacob." And so I began to research that a little bit and began to study about that a little bit. And I found what I was familiar with: that the name Jacob. It, it looks a lot like the Hebrew name for heel, and many people believe that Jacob was named that because he was born. If you're familiar with the story, that that he and he he was born holding the heel of his brother Esau. Are you with me? He was holding his, his heel, and, 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 but it also means, some people, because it's very familiar to the, the Hebrew word, it means supplanter, and so they're not sure which one it is, and many biblical uh, scholars believe it's a little combination of both, that it was, it was a story of, of, of him holding onto the heel of, of others to displace them so that he could then step in and take what was rightfully theirs. Now, and we know that story was played out all throughout Jacob's life. You're not going to go into that tonight. You've got to read the story for yourself. But you'll find that time and time again. He was a supplanter, he was a displacer. He was always opportunistic in taking what belonged to other people for himself. And so why we we're familiar with that. If you've been around the story at all, you know that his name Jacob was a was a prophecy of who he was going to be, but eventually that name was gonna be changed to, to Israel and that who he used to be wasn't gonna define him anymore, that all of this this idea of not giving up was gonna be a, a was going to be sanctified he was going to be a person of great faith which was birthed in him when he held on to God in a wrestling match and wouldn't let go and then the blessing came but so I'm studying the story and I felt like God was saying no there's something more in there and this is what I felt like God showed me is that his name Jacob wasn't just speaking about who he used to be it was speaking about what needed to happen to him himself before the blessing of God could come to his life. That Jacob was a prophetic foretelling that he himself needed to be displaced and supplanted before the favor of God could come to his life. That he himself needed to be displaced. His pride, his humanity, his self of I can do this myself. And we see this that when Jesus touches his hip and wounds him, he wounds him physically, which I think is a prophetic picture of taking his pride so that the blessing and the favor of God could come. He was a Jacob because he was a person who always figured out a way to get by. He was a Jacob because he was a prideful person. He said, I, I'm, I'm always going to be able to outmaneuver the other person. It's interesting that it's a wrestling match that he enters into with God because wrestling is all about outmaneuvering your opponent. I wrestled in middle school and in high school, I wasn't a great wrestler, but I'm glad I did now that my boys are getting older because I'm hoping that's going to be the great equalizer when they get bigger and stronger than me. We'll see. If you see me coming on a Saturday night with a sling, you'll know what happened. It's all about outmaneuvering your opponent, and Jacob's been someone that he's just come to think of himself, I'm always going to be able to outmaneuver my opponent. And God was saying to him, hey, you can outmaneuver a lot of people in this world, but If you want the fullness of my favor on your life, you've got to set your pride down. You've got to allow me to break you so that my blessing can come. And you can appreciate why this one's a little bit harder to respond to, you with me. Some of you are thinking, wow, I wish I had stood up for one of the other two. It's like a game show, I wish I had chosen door one or two. You, you You might be here tonight, you might be here tonight and you've stood up for some of the other ones, but now you realize this is the one that you should have stood up in. That there's a pride in you, and until you let God break it, the favor and the blessing, whatever it is that you're asking God for, it's never gonna come. There's a principle here that we find in the story of Jacob. Pride stands in the way. It holds the favor of God back. Until you're willing to humble yourself, let him break you. Maybe walk with a limp in a new spiritual and emotional sense. Until you're willing to embrace humility, this thing that you're asking God for, he's just going to keep saying no. You can ask him over and over. You can seek a sign, but God's saying to you tonight, until you let me break the pride in you, I'm going to keep telling you no. So I took the liberty to make a list tonight of maybe some things that could represent pride to you. Yielding to an authority in your life that you've been resisting. i read that again. Yielding to an authority, a person of authority in your life that you have been resisting. Serving a vision that maybe you don't like, but you know God has, asked, has called you to serve. Number three, asking forgiveness, saying you are sorry, taking responsibility for your part in something. You with me? You say, well, I'll say I'm sorry if they say they're sorry, right? That's called pride whether or not they say they're sorry or not, if you need to say it, whether or not they respond, humble yourself. Having an attitude of disrespect toward a parent. That's for this section over here. Or maybe if you're spread out tonight. Just a general, all-around, I'm always right kind of attitude. We don't know anybody like that. That's in case somebody listens to the podcast. Harboring unforgiveness because of some wrong that you have suffered. Got two more. Resisting the leadership of others because you feel more deserving of their title. Refusing to build relationships with others that are permission giving. And we could probably keep going on with that list again and again. And you know, that list could get longer, but if I didn't read the one that, that you're struggling with, that's not what matters. You with me tonight? You know if you're here tonight, if you're a prideful person. You you know if you're here tonight and, and there's this vein that runs in you of being a little bit prideful, of, of having this part of your heart, right? It's the arms crossed, digging in your heels. I'm just telling you tonight, there is liberty in stepping into a place of humility. And just as this was with Jacob, it can be for you. It can be for you. That humbling yourself can be the last thing that needs to be broken in you so that you can find the yes that you've been longing to hear that maybe you've been longing for for a long time. So I'm, I'm going to challenge you to do something a little bit more than what we've asked the other two people to do. And, and uh, the Bible talks about anointing people with oil. We've done that here before. That's another sermon for another time that goes into explanation about what that's about. But if you're here tonight and and, and, this, is, and this is yours, if, if what I'm talking about resonates with you, I, I know that it's not easy to be conspicuous, to humble yourself in a moment like this. But you, you with me? This is part of how you're going to play it out. You could say, well, Fred, I can humble myself right here where I'm sitting. Well, you can. Right? Humility requires some action. So I'm just saying, if you're here tonight, I'm just going to invite you to come. Just don't wait for somebody else to come. I'm just going to invite you to come stand up here. I'm just going to anoint you, and I'm going to pray for you. And this is your way of saying, you know what? I want this pride to be broken in me. Why don't you all stand? Why don't the worship team come back up? I I anoint you with oil as a symbol of the Holy Spirit. I anoint you with oil as a symbol of the Holy
1: Spirit. I anoint you with oil as a symbol of the Holy Spirit. I anoint you, an you, an you, an you with oil as a symbol of the Holy Spirit. I anoint you with oil as a symbol of the Holy Spirit. I know you with oil as a symbol of the Holy Spirit. I an anoint you with oil as a symbol of the Holy Spirit. I anoint you with oil as a symbol of the Holy Spirit.
0: That's why God gave me long arms so I can
1: reach deep into the back. I an anoint you with oil as a symbol of the Holy Spirit. I an anoint you with oil as a symbol of the Holy Spirit. Symbol of the Holy Spirit. Come on, this is good stuff, isn't it? I anoint you with oil as a symbol of the Holy Spirit. I anoint you with oil as a symbol of the Holy Spirit. I anoint you with oil as a symbol of the Holy Spirit. We anoint you with oil as a symbol of the Holy Spirit. We anoint you with oil as a symbol of the Holy Spirit. We anoint you with oil oil as a symbol of the Holy Spirit. The 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 of the Holy Spirit. I know you with the will as a symbol of the Holy Spirit. I know you with the will as a symbol of the Holy Spirit. I know you with the will as a symbol of the Holy Spirit. I know you with the will as a symbol of the Holy Spirit. I know you with the will as a symbol of the Holy Spirit. I know you with the will as a symbol of the Holy Spirit. The symbol of the Holy Spirit. We know you with oil as a symbol of the Holy Spirit. I know you with oil as a symbol of the Holy Spirit. I know you with oil as a symbol of the Holy Spirit. I know you with as of the you with oil as a symbol of the Holy Spirit. I know
0: If I didn't get you, raise your hand. I'll come right to you right now. If if I missed you, did I miss you? Father, we thank you for the sacredness of this moment right now. We thank you for every person that's standing in this line. We thank you for their act of humility right now. Father, we don't need to know their story because you know their story. We also know your heart, and your heart is to have a hand of blessing and favor towards your children. And through the wisdom of your word, you reveal to us sometimes the the things that that causes us to be stuck where we are. We thank you tonight for the story of Jacob. And we just declare in Jesus' name right now that we all stand together in a place of humility that we let go of pride. We just let go of the pride of our heart, the arms crossing of our personality and of our character that's broken, whether it be anything on that list that we read or some other list that's stirring in their heart. They know the situation and the circumstance that they're in, that they're going to hold on to you, that they're going to let you break this part of who they are, and that even now, in Jesus' name, they're going to feel that thing inside of them just letting go they're going to feel that pride just beginning to dissipate they're going to feel that pride just beginning to break just as jacob would have had a physical sensation of the dislocation of this infant there's a dislocation spiritually over every person right now who's standing here between who they are and the pride that they've suffered under and we declare over them a humility is going to come alive in their heart that we declare over them tonight that there's a humility that's going to rise up out of them, that their character is going to become like Christ here in this moment, and they're going to move forward, not taking a step backwards in Jesus' name. Come on, let's worship in
1: this song together. Holy,